Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Fabian Chigoya. And this is Alejandro Chigoya. And this is Real Talk, a show all about the journey of self-improvement and discovering yourself and the harsh truths associated with that and finding success. Welcome back to Real Talk by Chamature. Thank you for joining us as we continue our previous discussion on the journey to becoming exceptional, since this is a multi-part episode. If you've not watched the previous segment, we highly recommend it for context, but feel free to continue and experience the valuable message delivered in this episode regardless. We appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed today's Real Talk. What was her name and what's your statement to her? <laughs> no, no, let's not go there. That's, that's not necessary. I really think it's an interesting point that you brought up there because I do feel like it, it very much conditioned how I, I interact with authority figures as a result. I mean, I was, I want to say, more of a happy-go-lucky sort of child at, at that point in time. I might have even been more of a, a troublemaker had I gone along that route. I could say it shapes how my personality to a, to a no small extent, to how I am today and how I interact, like I said, with authorities. Do you think it's because you came there, all you had experienced was we were raised by our parents in a very loving, accepting, be you environment. In Germany, the same thing with our aunts and grandparents and then in that short little stint of that kindergarten and same thing in mexico and then you come to the u.s you go to this kindergarten and then all of a sudden it's like you're in military you have it's like these rules these things like you're being yelled at you're being criticized you're, all this stuff do you feel like it was a response to that i was like oh my gosh i can't be me was that kind of like what happened or why do you feel it got to that point that it changed you because you literally are saying that it changed your behavior. And that for me is super interesting. And that's something that we need to keep going back to because that, those are the things, those are the keys. When you realize where you're like, Ooh, that caused a major shift. That's when you say, hold on, wait a minute, what happened here? So you feel like that, was it just, what was it that made you want to change in that moment? Or what, or not want, but like, feel like you had to. Yes, I would say it was, let's not mince words. It was, it was fear, pretty much that I would, uh, would suffer the consequences for not um, respecting the rules, for not, for not abiding by her authority. So I, I felt. I guess in, in large part, this aspect of fear that drove me to, to a sort of perfectionism that I had then to be at my best behavior, I had to be the best sort of person that I could be. Maybe even that might've led to my whole drive of being uh, academically successful. We started from nothing in kindergarten, but we ended up being one of the best students there. And then from every year after that, we were academically driven to be the best that we could be. And it would be interesting to see if that didn't have some small impact. Although I know that as a small child, I mean, a little off topic, I know that I was, was concerned already about the big futures as an adult and wondering like, oh, what, what's going to happen? How, how are we going to do things? Uh, and, and thinking, oh, so one thing that would be under my control, which I think is an interesting point to note here. One thing that would be in my control is to be a good student. And then if I do well, 
then maybe everything will come into place by itself as a result. That was my thinking. And I think that was the underlying thought process for a lot of things that I did. I'd say even to, to some extent to this day that the specter of that still sort of lingers on me. Well, more like the, the aftermath, I should say, maybe lingers as a result of that, that thought. Well, we should not move on. There's a lot that needs to be discussed right there. Um, that there's a lot of important things that you just said, I think. And this is the essence of what we're doing right here. It's really banter, sharing our stories, but really doing a deep dive into it, viewing it from a different way. I mean, do you see what I'm talking about, Alondra? Like, you start realizing, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what happened here? And that's when things get interesting. You said that you feel like that was one of the biggest pieces. It almost drove this perfectionism within you, right? Like that experience in kindergarten. I can't help but wonder if that maybe was, was part of the root of that. I mean, sure, our parents uh, wanted us to be successful because there's this general uh, idea that, that if you do well in school, that you'll, you'll do well in life. We can't deny that that's hammered into us at an early age, certainly. And, and they, my parents certainly believed that as well. And we can't deny that, that having a good education is an invaluable resource. Let's, let's not say otherwise, of course. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit more about perfectionism. I think that is something that is the root of many issues for people today, including myself. I know that whenever I wanted to do something or try something new, there was this deep, almost unfounded desire or need to do it hundred percent from the get-go yes so perfectionism it's been a long long time thing that i've also struggled with you were saying um earlier that you had certain things that you wanted to do but you were hesitant to, to want to, to do them because you felt if you couldn't be perfect doing it then you wouldn't want to do it at all i can say that it's been the same with me even from from things like hobbies just fun things if this concern that you have to be the best, you have to be good at it. And if not, then can you really enjoy it? Can you really do this? Why do I really feel that way? It's an excellent question, to be honest. Um, I'm not sure really not, not that you mentioned it. You know what? Let's hear it from you first because I can share my take on it, but I want to hear what you have to say. Why do you feel like you have this need to be perfect when you do something? I would say, from what I've observed, especially right now, what we've been discussing, I think it's, it's a matter of, of control to some extent, that you feel that in a world where there's so, all this chaos, all this uncertainty, especially for us, where we had to, as, as diplomat children, we had to move constantly, we had to always adapt, which is a, a very useful skill, but there's all this uncertainty with that lifestyle. Our mother was often in, uh, in charge of having to take care of us. And there were a lot of responsibilities just because of, of this position that my dad had. So, uh, that, and my mother faced him admirably. I'm just kind of straying off topic. Anyway, regardless, control. That's, that's really what I feel is the crux of the matter here. That you feel that if you are uncertain about these things in your life, you have some way of controlling things. By being perfect, 
you know that you've done the best you can to ensure the best outcome for you, for the people important to you. And if you can't achieve that, then you feel hesitant to embark on, on that journey to, to, to try these things, to try new things. Then you run the risk of, of not being perfect. You leave then your comfort zone, your safe zone. And, and then that, all these negative associations that you've built up over time come into play then. And that's what you dread facing. I think that, that wound, I guess you would call it, is what resurfaces even for these insignificant things that really have no connection to it, but they come to mind and that association clicks right then. And that's what holds you back. What wound are you talking about? What wounds? Stemming from like this kindergarten experience? Mm, not necessarily just from that. I would say, as I, I was starting to touch on there with our parents, uh, I feel that there was a certain um, uncertainty. And I think, well, there's the expectation. When, and now that you, you mention it, there was one area I did not bring up before. I mean, sure, as I said in very briefly in passing earlier, there was this underlying fear, even as a child, of wanting to make sure that things would turn out okay in the future for me. Say what you feel. Well, I certainly feel that on one hand, there are these expectations that society and certainly our parents had for us, but on a more uh, personal and sensitive note, I feel that that as a child, I, I struggled for, for a long time with, with being sickly. And even though we were uh, a, f a family that was decently well off and we shouldn't have had any issues, I had these health issues for, for quite a long time. I mean, basically I was, I don't want to say malnourished, but I had had these issues and my parents would always take me frequently to, to, to doctors, to the hospital, to get checked on all these measures that they they went to to try to make sure that I was okay. They were wonderful, loving parents. But at the same time, I don't want to make it sound like, like I'm blaming them here because that's not what I want to say. I felt an incredible amount of guilt that I was bringing this upon them, that, that they had to do all this for me. And I know that they, they did it out of love and concern, but at the same time, I felt like I was in a way almost undeserving of that. I was being a burden, basically like a leech, sucking away all their resources there. And, and it was just like in a bottomless pit, kept on going and going and didn't seem to make any difference. I felt horrible about this as a small child. I, I remember once telling you about this, Fabian, how I was like, would have been about like eight years old, crying in the bathroom. I was praying to God. I wanted to know why was it that I was the way I was, that I was sickly and my parents had spent so much on me here and it didn't make a, a lick of difference apparently. Why was I given this privileged life and then there were these people starving to death, dying from all sorts of diseases and there was this idea of why do I deserve to live and they don't? This sense of worthlessness essentially I think already going back to, to that point, coupled with this concern of, of perfectionism, of wanting them to be the best. And I guess in a way that was a way to validate myself. If I was the best in school, not only would I guarantee then my future as I saw it, that I would prove then that I had worth, that I was up to something. But even that wasn't enough for me. 
So I was constantly in search of a purpose in my life. And I came years down the road to the conclusion that I enjoyed helping people. So then that was my focus. That's what I was going to do to help people in whatever way I could. And this was a, a very seemingly selfless goal, but I think there was that underlying issue that in a way it was, was validation for me that to prove that I had, had worth, that I had something to offer to people and to society. I don't know what your thoughts on the matter. That's, it's really deep. I'm sorry I threw that all on you right now. I mean, honestly, it's emotional. I commend you. This is what I'm talking about. This is the goal of it. Like talking about these things, but talking about them, you know, to let it out, but also talking about it to learn from it and find what are the things that make you who you are and how can you change those things or just embrace them and lean into them. So first of all, I mean, I respect you for saying that, like, that's a lot. Most people could not do that. So you already win just from that point alone. Seriously, dude, like that's hard. It's hard. There's some deep, dark stuff right there, but good stuff. I mean, you need to say it. And yes, most of that rings a bell. It's hard to think that. And it's crazy to think that you thought those thoughts when you were like a kid. I mean, my first question is, why do you think you even thought that way when you were that young? I knew a lot of people that I've met just recently here in Colorado, like mid twenties, early thirties, like they don't even think about their life that way. And we're talking like adults and they've never done self-reflection to that level. And you already were doing that when you were eight. It's a really good question. I'm not sure actually. Now, I mean, a lot of these other things I've given, I'm not, quite a bit of thoughts, but that's actually a good point. I'm not really sure what exactly was the origin of this. Now that you mention it, I'm sure there's something. Well, we should shelf it, but it's something to keep in mind. Of course. I wanted to address a few other things there. One, perfectionism. Before we move on from that, I know you, you keep going back to that. I think there's something to be said about striving for it. I think it's a good thing. It's having standards for oneself and setting goals. That part of perfectionism is a very good, positive boon. But then you have the dark side of perfectionism, which is kind of where you were coming from, where it's almost like if you don't do it or if you can't get to that point, then there's not even a reason to try. Right? Like, can you relate to that side of it? Yes, yes, absolutely. So what if I told you that that is almost really just the guise of insecurity insecurity yes it certainly would be yes so let me elaborate on, on what you mean and i mean by that like for example doing this business and podcasts and episodes one of the biggest concerns for the longest time and i'm sure many other content creators can relate is do i only want to put my stuff out there why would people listen to me and obviously there's a lot of credentials and i haven't got into this on into them necessarily on this show but in other stuff, establishing credibility is important, but it, the quality of the content and our thoughts and our communication should speak for itself. There's so many people that would not even try because they're so worried about getting it perfect. The audio has to be perfect. The picture has to be perfect. All these things have to be perfect. So they just don't do it. But really, what if it's just they're afraid about what people are going to say if it's not? They're so worried about, oh, how am I going to look? What are people going to say? So I'm just not going to even do it because what if I fail? And it just is terrible. 
But if it's perfect, no one would say anything. Then you have to ask yourself, am I really worried about what people will think? Yes, but is it more so am I self-judging myself? And I think that's the key thing that you, and by the way, this is how I was too, and, and still am sometimes I have to remind myself and I correct it right away, is you're preventing other people from even checking out your work or your content or your thoughts or whatever, because you're so worried about it being perfect. And I will say the same thing about you is that naturally we're intelligent people. Our parents are very intelligent. We're very skilled. We were educated, well-traveled, well-cultured. So our bare bones, crappy half-ass version of anything is a lot better than most people's literally spent 10 hours working on it. I just think about, my job at sales. Oh, probably got to be careful. Hey guys. Hey old bosses. Um, presentations that other people spend weeks working on. I literally did the day before and didn't even rehearse and I got better grades or better whatever results from it than someone that I know spent 50, 60 hours on it. And I spent maybe three. That's kind of sad for them. It's amazing for me, but it's kind of sucks for them, you know? And, I didn't put in a lot of effort. I didn't put in a lot of time and I could have done so much better if I would have put in that same amount of time, but I just did not That is something that I want to point out is like, there's this fear about that. Right. But I'm just being me. Agreed. So anyway, perfectionism, there's a lot to be said there and we will keep hammering on it, but a lot of it stems from insecurity, but really it's you are judging yourself too harshly. That's really the theme that I wanted to get across based on your next things. The fact that you were comparing yourself, I mean, it's a sad thing to say, but your worthiness of living at such a young age to like people in Africa who are starving. It's like the fact is, yes, that's the reality of the world, but they are irrelevant. They're not on the same plane, you know, like the lines go different. Your life or your worth or your situation does not intersect with theirs. That's a hard thing to remember and realize because I think a lot of people don't view it that way. But that's something that you need to always keep in mind. But I cannot imagine even like having that thought as a kid, like, how do you go from there? I mean, it and again, that now creates this like, hey, I am not good enough. I have these issues. And then you have your kindergarten teacher saying you got issues, you're not good enough. And then you have our parents saying, Hey, you need to do well because things are hard. And obviously every time we moved, they didn't know how things were either. So what was the one variable that they knew do well in school? And the cool thing was that that actually was what worked back then. You do well in school, things do work out better. So you kind of attach yourself to that and you kept going down that route. Of, oh, I got to be perfect, got to be perfect, got to be perfect. But the problem is, and this is something we're going to have to talk about a lot, Alejandro. Like, it's one of the issues that you need to conquer is this lack of self-worth and value. And being able to see your worth and value is the game changer. Because you shouldn't be tying it to any one thing. When I was more insecure and had this lack of, oh, am I good? Am I enough? I was always like looking for other people's validation or some validation from something. So for example, my job, 
did I do well in my job? Was I a top sales trip? Okay, then I'm good. But if I lost that or wasn't that anymore, I'm like, ooh, I'm not good enough anymore. Like, am I worthy, right? And that's toxic because your worthiness is always going to be tied to something. It should only exclusively be tied to you. You know, so that's something that I want to really do a deep dive on down the road. I think we need to look at that because that's a that's a big piece, man. That's big because, I mean, you're telling me someone who got a B and is is worse, the worth less than someone who got an A? No, no, it shouldn't be that way. No, you're telling me someone who can serve three tables at the same time at the local Olive Garden is worth more in the world than someone who can serve two? No, I mean, if you put it from that perspective, no, it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> That's one of the key things that we're here to talk about, man. It's hard to like kind of have that realization. But I, I had that not even two years ago going through these exact same thoughts. I'm like, whoa, wait, what? It, it's not ridiculous when you have come to that realization, sometimes you need to hear it from another perspective. And that's one of the things that I want to hammer home today is we really want to focus on self-reflection, but we really want to focus on you being able to view yourself from another perspective. I call it a third party. So for example, what I would always ask myself before is, okay, if some person just met me, and they saw me, would they be like, oh, there's no way he has that issue, or there's no way he's insecure about his looks, or there's no way he's insecure about this, or has this issue, or has this. Like, this guy has it all. This guy is set. I mean, that's also messed up on their part, because they don't know you. They're assuming, and they're judging you just from an initial impression, but it's like, wait, what? I'm like, why, why is that a, a problem? Oh, I agree, yes. So, Hanno, I, I shared a lot. And you can't climb Mount Everest in one day. And we can't build Rome like that. But there was a lot that was just unraveled and pointed out. One of the key things that I want to point out, not just to you, but really to the viewers and everyone listening, is that this is how it's done. You need to start self-reflecting and writing down things. And I'm going to be doing it with you as well. But journaling and documenting and really just sharing a little bit of your own thoughts but just for yourself you don't have to share it with other people but uh spend five minutes two minutes three minutes and just write down some of the things that resonated with you things that didn't how you felt about this and then this is the key start writing down positive self-affirmations about yourself because one of the biggest things that I hear you talking about the unworthiness thing is you just haven't learned how to sell yourself, right? If if you had me sell you, if we didn't say who I was selling and I was just talking about someone like, I want you guys to meet this person and his name is X and he's this and this and this, I guarantee you, you would not think that's you. And that happens with so many people. And that is where you need to start writing positive self-affirmations. But basically, the homework is start journaling and write one or two good things, more the merrier, but at least one, 
that you believe about yourself. And if you don't believe them, things that you think you are or want to be, I'm just keep writing it down and we'll go from there. So for example, I can say for a fact that both of us are extremely well-traveled and cultured. That's one. Number two, we pick up on things and we're very intelligent. We can analyze things and learn quite quickly. But you see, I'm just throwing out some stuff and these are the things that I want you to think about. But I just went on a long rant. I want to hear you kind of debrief because we were kind of analyzing, right? This is how the, the episodes are going to go where we, we talk through our stories, we analyze them, and then we start talking about, you know, viewing it in a different perspective and kind of trying to see the lesson. So from there, then we can start working on the goals of improving and changing and et cetera, confidence. The first thing is really identifying it. And that's what we did. And now we were talking about it. So what are your kind of thoughts on everything that we just shared? Like, I mean, some of the, there's, there's some, you shared a lot that there was a lot that was talked about and I kind of want to hear your opinion on everything and we'll go from there. Yes. Thank you, Fab. Indeed. I'd say, as you said before, really the lesson from this episode has been about the importance of self-reflection. We discussed the issues with perfectionism, the whole idea of, of self-worth and then positive affirmations here because really the whole narrative that we build in our mind of our own identity touching back to what we talked about at the very beginning obviously one hand we have this fake image and then we have what is a set in, in a certain way now that i think about it a fake image that we have of ourselves that we think we are in a certain way but then maybe we, we come across our friends family who can point out things that we're blind to our positive uh, aspect because we've built up this false narrative in our mind that we are unworthy we are for example a burden on other people we are defective in some way and we need to do something about it or otherwise people won't won't love us they won't care about us they don't want to associate with us and uh that really then goes back to, to the importance of, of self-reflecting because now just from our discussion right now, I mean, these are a lot of things that I've, I've thought about myself, I've looked into, read, watched videos and whatnot. But even with that, just discussing it takes it to a completely different level. And I know you've been a, a strong advocate for writing things down journaling and i haven't really done much journaling myself but i've always found that i express myself much better in in writing than speaking so i think this is in a way a natural outlet for my thoughts that rather than letting them fester in my mind which they tend to do all the time <laughs> uh to put them down on paper i'm happy you say that you know it's hard being vulnerable it's hard talking about these things it's hard sharing Things that you might not be necessarily proud of, but when you realize that just from today, three things. One, this all started from us just talking about like, who are we? How did we get here? Our story. And we haven't even finished. We are 20% of the way through and there's so much more and there's going to be a lot more to come. But that brought up these things. And the reason why I did that is because we are exploring the past and normally you don't want to live in the past. Normally, we always want to move on. You don't want to dwell. But this is point number two. It's 
exploring the past shows you that these incidents could be literally the most random incident can have severe impact, especially if they're, they happen when you're a kid. I mean, we have you, unfortunately, not being the healthiest kid uh, because of many reasons. I mean, we can get into them, but a lot of them out of your control. And now look at you. You're healthy. You're great. But at that time, you had issues, but whatever. And it caused you to feel a certain way. A teacher, something else, right? Like all of these events compound led to certain feelings. And then it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy because you're like, well, other people don't have this. I have it. And then, oh, but now I also got this. Maybe my teacher was right. Or maybe this person was right. Maybe the kids were right. And then it happens again because now you're also afraid of it. So now you're like hyper-focused on something and it just keeps going. It's one of the problems where I am a strong believer in always moving on. And I don't know. I'd be curious to hear if you think you are good at moving on. Like, can you just move on from something that happens or do you feel like you are a notorious dweller yes Fabian. the other day i actually brought it up to someone how basically unfortunately i am a notorious dweller uh, i linger on these things basically they become like these experiences become like um like scars engraved into my very soul especially in my worst moments when i'm i'm down then basically almost like as if it were a PowerPoint presentation. It just comes out and plays the greatest hits of all the, the worst things one after another. And then the, the self-pity train goes forth. And <laughs> uh, obviously it's not always the case, but regrettably, yes, I have to acknowledge that I do tend to dwell on these things. And these thoughts then obviously affect any future decisions as a result because i will I always have, will have them even even uh in the best of moments in the back of my mind and they do regrettably dictate to no small extent uh, my actions i have to recognize that well i think this is a perfect ending point or transition to the ending point for this episode answering your response to the dwelling thing i feel you because there's definitely have been certain things in my life that I dwelled on for the longest time, but I feel like one of the things that really changed my mindset and perspective on it was looking back on our youth and how much we moved and traveled. And I know we're only starting that piece of the story and there's a lot more that goes into it and all the countries we lived in and how many times we moved and how many times we had to restart from zero, but it let me move on and cause we had to do fresh starts and then I've moved for jobs and I've, when I moved from Mill Creek to downtown Seattle and lived by myself, it was a fresh start and you can rebrand yourself. It's like people don't know you. And when they don't know your past and you only tell them who you are today, you're not lying. And like the true you, but today that's not burdened by that past. All of a sudden you realize that people adore you and love you for that. And it's easy to forgive yourself and move on. And then the second part of it is changing how you view these things i mean it's hard there's these things are major like some of those things are big issues and again i commend you and respect you so much for opening up especially on this show like that's hard man there's some deep stuff but it's powerful and i think you should seriously pat yourself on the back for that most people could not do what you just did that's already a huge win but if you want to talk about worth that 
that's something that's super worthy right there, by the way. That's strength of character. But it's viewing these, let's just call them how we view them, failures. Like they, we didn't do what we thought we could do, or it didn't go the way we wanted it to go, or the way we knew it could go. So we're harsh on ourselves, but instead of viewing it as just a failure, what if you changed your way of viewing failure and you viewed it as a lesson? So for example, that job didn't work out. That project failed. This episode doesn't get the views and ratings and reviews that we wanted to. And that wasn't a failure. It was an experiment. We learned from it. It taught us something like, what are we going to learn? Oh, hey, we need to work on some technical issues. We need to work on the lighting. We need to work on the audio. We need to work on the content. We need to whatever, right? And that is kind of how I want you to start viewing it. And you can't just rewire yourself right away. But hearing it constantly from the right people is going to help so much. It's like all those things that you told me about, view those as like, what did I learn from that? It's really just, it's changing your view on failure. Learning from those mistakes because you grow from them. I mean, a lot of this came from my experience in sales, but you get rejected so much, you know, like, well, that didn't work. The client got really mad when I did that. What am I going to do differently? Well, I'm not going to do that again. So I learned and then you apply it and you try it again and you try again and you try again and you try again. And all of a sudden you figure it out and then you perfect it essentially, but there's always room to grow. Once you start viewing those things as a lesson, it changes things. And it's hard because sometimes you've invested so much time into something like literally, I mean, we'll get into it more in another episode, but there's things that I've spent years on and then it's like, oh yeah, that was just a complete another failure. But I learned a lot from those two years or three years of doing something. Once you start viewing it that way, that's when I want to hear your thoughts. So here's what do you think about that? And then we'll conclude. I think that is a, a lesson that's been a, a long time coming for me. It certainly has been something that has been brought up even in my past. I remember some teachers certainly mentioned it to me. I was always very hesitant to accept it. To me, failure was always uh, one of the worst outcomes. And to restructure that mindset is obviously going to take a lot of, of time and effort. But I think, it, like you said, it is a valuable approach to take to it, uh, to see it as a lesson to be learned from. And if you can see it from that perspective, um, and then that means that you're essentially free to do things, to try things. You're not going to be held back by that concern of what if you fail? What if it doesn't work out? If you try, you know that you can at least ha have made an effort to do it. And maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't work out. But you won't really find out unless you make the effort to, to see. Well, that's perfectly said brother this has been a great first experiment that transitions us for our next episode to talk about well, if you try what's the worst that can happen and that's something that we're going to talk about what is the worst that can happen if you try and we'll be able to discuss that a lot more and we will hear more about our story your story my story and kind of like those events and what happened and really we just want to focus on and highlight that this is all what this is going to be it's just 
vulnerable, real talk, like just sharing really what we've gone through and the experiences that have hardened us and made us who we are today. There's a lot of good, but there was a lot of dark, dangerous situations that happened, but it made us stronger. And that's the takeaway for today. And that's really what this whole Challenger experience is about. It's becoming exceptional, becoming more successful, becoming happier. And with that, make sure you like, make sure you subscribe, leave a comment. Tell us what you thought. What are your opinions on Alejandro's story? Was he too real for you? Was it uncomfortable? Or did it motivate you and inspire you to share your piece? We would love to hear that and join us on our live streams where it's an open forum to discuss more of these thoughts and ideas. Stay amazing and see you next time.